I'm Joe Agoda, and this is the Let's Break Good Podcast, where we never settle for good enough. Anyone who's attempted fundraising for a social cause will tell you it's much harder than it seems. A big part of that challenge comes from a widely held false assumption that the best ideas get funding over boring traditional ones. There's fierce competition among nonprofits and charities over limited donation dollars. And to raise money from the scarce resources, you'll need strategies that not only work once, but repeatedly over the long term. In this episode, I'll share some of the biggest mistakes that people make when they are just starting off fundraising and share a couple secrets that have helped me raise millions for social good. Let's dig into it. Let's get started. I want to break free. In 2009, as a young social entrepreneur, I had come up with one of the most exciting and creative ideas I had had my entire career. After spending three months on a road trip across Africa, an idea to bring the first World Cup on the continent into the hardest-reached communities had been born. Since many areas I had visited didn't have access to TV or electricity, getting to enjoy the first World Cup that was being hosted in South Africa in 2010 would be impossible. If I could find a way to screen the games, the whole community would show up, and during halftime, a captured audience could be educated and engaged. With some research, I came up with an innovative technical setup that would make community World Cup viewings possible. An inflatable screen, satellite dish, small generator, and projector could, even in the most rural of areas, without a cell phone signal, make an outdoor movie watching experience possible. The excitement in the communities where I shared about this idea was extremely high. Local groups were ready to host and make it happen. I just needed money to buy the equipment and hire people to run the setup. I returned home to the U.S. from my African road trip convinced that everyone would want to fund this amazing idea. I started with a Kickstarter, GoFundMe-style crowdsourcing strategy to get the ball rolling. But that ball hardly moved. I quickly learned that my friends and family were willing to lend me their encouragement and well wishes, but opening their wallet, that was another story. After a month of extreme hustling, I may have raised just over $1,000. To realistically pull off the event, I needed to raise 10 times that amount. I wasn't going to give up, and after some serious outreach, the idea was getting me meetings with foundations and corporate responsibility groups that would review a proposal. But again and again, I would hear the same response. Great idea, but we can't fund it. Why not? They said I had a startup nonprofit with no track record of past programs. They had never heard of the organization before. No, no, no. The idea, even though it was awesome, was not going to be enough. This was a hard truth I learned. Throughout my career, I've been turned down for funding a lot but I've also gotten to yes more than a few times and raised millions of dollars. I want you to learn from my experience and not fall into the pitfalls and traps that waste a lot of time. Let's start off with the earliest stage of fundraising, before you get in front of your potential donors. A common trap in the initial phase is spending too much time working on your pitch and marketing materials. 
it's easy to start putting more and more hours into building dazzling PowerPoints, slick brochures, and flashy websites around your idea. But donors don't give based on a pitch or a PDF. They give to people, people they trust, they know, they admire. Once you've got your idea and are about to meet the donors, it's much more important to spend the prep time doing your homework about them. What is their professional background? The mission of the organization they work for? What projects have they funded in the past? The goal is to connect with the donor, build understanding, and create trust, not sell them on an idea. All day they hear people trying to sell them on their ideas. Another pitfall in the early stage of fundraising is getting caught up in the bubble that your team and colleagues are working in. What happens here is a good idea leads to groupthink, a lack of outside fresh perspective that creates positivity around ideas that are not grounded in reality. Here's a common result of groupthink. The project we have, it's so vital. Everyone will recognize how important it is. We should just run a fundraising campaign to get $100 from 1,000 people. We can do that. And that's $100,000 right there for our idea. But trying to fund a charitable cause by getting $100 from 1,000 people or $1,000 from 100 people or whatever math you come up with is most likely doomed to fail. The appeal on your social media, website, email campaign, or phone drive for the great idea goes nowhere unless it's truly for an urgent disaster situation, your organization is widely known with an audience in the millions, or you get once-in-a-lifetime chance to go viral. Most people will ignore your appeal or have their own cause they already support. Now you've wasted time and the attention of your audience. Next, let's talk about when you're in front of a potential funding source. This advice pertains to that high net worth individual, corporate responsibility group, or foundation offering grants that you now have the chance to speak and to make an appeal to. When you are caught up fundraising around a good idea, there's an impulse to take up almost the whole meeting with rehearsed slides and script. But people can only take in so much information, and not breaking for conversation creates a higher likelihood they'll check out mentally. Slow down and try to spark conversation and focus on building the relationship. Leave ample time for discussion and ask questions of your potential funder. There's this urge with the presentation to explain exactly how you execute this great idea, the nuts and bolts of it. That's probably because it's something your team spent countless hours researching, testing, and working on. The truth is, though, donors don't care that much. The why is more important to them. Why are you doing this, and what impact will it make? Another common error is in how much money you ask for in your pitch. If you're focusing on your idea, and you feel it's a really powerful one, there's an inclination to go big, especially when the source you're going to might have deep pockets. I've been in a situation numerous times with my organization where they felt our time would be wasted requesting $10,000 from a donor that could easily afford $100,000. It is true that sometimes they could afford $100,000, but donors are savvy, and if they don't know you well, and your idea doesn't have ample evidence that it creates impact, then they'll want to see how you use a smaller amount before going to a larger one. You can outline how much it will cost, but also have ready what you'll need to just test and create evidence in case they want to start the smaller funding option. The truth is, saying that great ideas don't get funded on concept alone is not absolute. 
sometimes an idea does get some dollars and donors to support. There are innovation challenges, and sometimes an idea is just at the right place at the right time. But even when the idea gets funded, there are still possibilities of negative after effects in the medium and long term. When we do fundraising around ideas, it usually comes with a charismatic pitch that tries to make it shine more than all the rest. To fundraise around that good idea, you have to probably make it sound what it's going to be in the far future, not where it is today. That leads to overpromise and underdeliver. And then bad reputation with the donor who won't want to fund you again. Having to spend all your attention on the big project idea also gets you and your team down in the weeds talking about tactics. It creates a hyper-focus that means bigger organizational goals and priorities might fall by the wayside. More often than not, making that idea happen will cost more than you expected in terms of money, time, and focus. Sometimes a great idea is ahead of its time or sunk by external factors outside of your control. But if that great idea becomes a one-off, which I've seen many a time, suddenly your organization is in a very tough spot. Now that I've shared a bunch of things not to do around selling your social cause ideas, what have been some ways that have led me to successfully and sustainably raising money? Start humbly with an understanding just because you have a really important cause and lives might be at stake, you are still one of thousands that feel they are in the same situation. You must attract support by earning it through old-fashioned hard work. Before you set out, ask yourself if you can take a lot of rejection. Resilience is a successful fundraiser's most important characteristic. If a few negative outcomes will get you down, then you need to find someone who can persist to lead fundraising for your cause. The best way to get fundraising is through an established relationship. If you're within an organization, shore up your current donors before running and looking for new ones. When you see a new funding opportunity from a donor you've never spoken with, and they leave their email or phone number, ask for a first conversation. Say you want to learn more about their organization and see if it's a good fit for both parties. Submissions without a face tied to it have a very low likelihood of success. If you've met a funder or donor that avoids relationship building, Take that as a sign that they are uninterested and probably don't want more. If they point to an RFP or proposal guidelines and won't take that introduction call, it will be an uphill battle to get funding. Networking is critical to your fundraising. Way more than any one idea, having a wide network with depth and important context leads to success. Again, this means authentic real relationships that are not transactional. So don't bombard potential donors with asks across many platforms and channels. Not taking a thoughtful approach to when and why you ask certain donors for a contribution can result in fatigue and disconnection. When you get the chance to connect with a potential donor, try and learn from them and teach them things about the reality of the problem you're trying to resolve they may not know. Use firsthand stories as well as stats. Remember the donor is not an ATM. Relationships take time to build up, so don't expect big money wins every time out. Once you progress in creating these relationships and opportunities, there's a rule of three that has come in my experience, which is for every three really strong funding opportunities you've created, one will probably pan out. 
This means you cannot sit with one great opportunity and wait it out. Lastly, have flexibility around your idea. Not too much flexibility that you become opportunistic and change it totally for a donor, but if it aligns in your mission and your passion, then be open to a pivot. Flexibility led me to raise $500,000 over the past eight months. Here's how. I spent the first decade of my career fundraising and working on international development projects that use technology and innovation to improve public health. I had developed a portfolio of awesome projects around the world. Then one day, an opportunity to work on a domestic project popped up. Working in the United States was never on my mind or part of my plan. There was a real prospect, though, of making a difference. So I did my homework and started small to see if the approaches and experience I had learned around the world could apply here in my own backyard. After some positive first feedback, I realized that people I would be serving were fantastic and the impact potential was huge. I opened myself up to take on this new challenge, and the fundraising that followed was meaningful. That's a story for a future episode. Let's finish today by going back to the very first fundraising story I shared about bringing live World Cup matches to African villages with a mix of entertainment and education. After over six months of rejection and a meager amount of money raised, I still had not given up. Through my networking, a friend who worked at the United Nations invited me to a happy hour with their colleagues in New York City. Over drinks, I made an instant connection with a forward-thinking staff member. By then, I was not leading with the idea, but rather my story of road tripping across Africa and all the amazing people I had met. Towards the end, I talked about the inspired idea that had come from the experience. A few days later, the contact from the United Nations invited me up to their HQ offices and offered $150,000 for the project on the grounds that I'd be flexible in the branding so they can market it as a UN initiative and not as my own nonprofits. But they would also in turn hire me to run it. it. Took me a split second to agree, and the result was that three months later, in four countries in Africa, thousands of young people and their community members were enjoying World Cup games on the big screen. The moral of the story and today's episode is never give up if you have an amazing idea. Just if you want to raise money to make it happen, don't lead with it. That brings us to the end of our episode, and I want to thank everyone who makes this possible. Our producer, Simon Green, who you can find on Twitter as at iSimonG, always makes sure that the podcast sounds so great. Our recording was done on Zed and Caster, hosted with SoundCloud, and spread on platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. If you're interested to learn another lesson in the economics of doing good, check out episode 14, The Price of Free. Now, I'm not going to ask you to donate to the great idea that is left break good, but you could strengthen our relationship by rating and reviewing the podcast wherever you listen. Follow us on Twitter at Let's Break Good and subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. You can also visit us at letsbreakgood.com for more information. Until next time, I'm Joe Goda, and this is the Let's Break Good Podcast. But life still goes on. I can't get used to living without, living without, living without you by my